Welcome back to The Forever Student, everyone. We have a very special guest today. His name is Lee Ryan, and I'm super excited to speak to you today. We have a lot to discuss. It's the first time we're meeting in person. We've been following each other on Instagram for a yeah. while, and I've been following your journey. And I, after you ran the 40 marathons in 40 days, I was like, I gotta get this guy on. First of all, welcome Thank to the you. show. Thank you for letting me come and talk. Yeah, really nice to have you. And uh, I think we'll jump right in. We're going we're gonna to dive into the 40 marathons in 40 days a lot. But I think understanding a bit more about like where your running journey started is probably a good yeah. place to kick off. It's a great question because at school, hated sport. Oh, yeah, there we go. There's a surprise number one. Um, my dad was in the military. He was a physical trainer in the military for 22 years. And that definitely didn't rub off on me. And I grew up my teenage years picking up a few dumbbells in the garage, trying to get jacked, <laughs> boys, girls, how we grow up. Um, and ran a little bit, was an only child, didn't really get involved in team sports. But then at the age of 18, I nonchalantly just put my name in the hat for the London Marathon and thought, oh, I'll give it a go. How hard can it be? And it was my dad's last London Marathon. So he made sure I didn't beat him on that day. But I turned up untrained, very naive to what this event was, how big it was, how hard it was, and skipped over the line in four hours, 45 minutes. And I wouldn't say it was love at first sight. It was, I'm an 18-year-old. This is what? I can do. I, I cycle to work. My part-time job, I was a lot of cycling. So it wasn't really training. It was, I need money to buy things and go out and see my friends. So I'm going to cycle 10 miles to work and 10 miles home. Simple as it was. And then coming to Dubai 16 years ago now, almost 17, I just got into endurance sport through multiple different avenues. Just obviously the climate, allowing you to get outside. I went through that phase of wanting to bulk up and there was a bucket list moment of me wanting to show something to my grandkids and my future kids at the time I didn't have kids to be on the front of a fitness magazine. And I managed to get that. Looked great, but it was one of my most unhealthy times of my life. Why is that? Just as we mentioned before, we had a, we had a quick catch up for coffee before this. Um, I looked great from the outside, but Inside me, I was just right into the core, that regiment of working out, eating super strict mood swings and stuff like that. And it just, and I remember that was the phase when CrossFit was a bit of the fad at the, at the time. And I remember going to a friend's box and doing one of the workouts and I couldn't last a minute. And I was like, okay, this is not me. This is not what I want. I look great, amazing. But physically, if I can't do something, and allow myself to enjoy the climate that we live in, whether it's go to the mountains, go for a swim, then I'm out. And then I started to run a lot through trauma as a grief process, losing loved ones. Um, and then I just started to enjoy it a little bit more, enjoy the concept of it, enjoy the learning from it, um, the humbling factors of it where you have to park the ego sometimes. And I got some good results. I started to see progress in races many years ago when there was the odd race every other weekend where now I think you can get five or six races every weekend and it gets a scary world. But I just 
found my niche and started to learn a lot, read a lot, listen a lot. What kind of distances were you running at that point? At the time, it was I would run 5K around the block. I used to live in TCOM, now Al Barsha Heights, which sounds more premium. <laughs> um, and I'd run just literally 5K around the block. And then I got into a few more marathons. So I've done the London Marathon 10 times. That was always my go-to race. And obviously, Dubai Marathon was there as well. And I started to train up. I did a few challenges. And I thought, yeah, I started to train a little bit more. So I used to run around Jebel Ali Racecourse one, two, three, four times. Safa Park, when that was the epicenter of health and fitness in Dubai. 3.2, was it? 3.2. Yeah, so to train for a marathon, you would run that long run, that last long run, 12 laps. Yeah. And you didn't question it because that's the only thing we basically had then as a safe space where you could park for a foreseeable amount of time, have a water stop, have toilets, simple as that. Yeah. And you would see everyone. On the weekends, you would see the sports teams warm up on the outside and then they would go in, do their rugby training, do their football training. And it was a, a positive, energetic place to be. But obviously, that's not there anymore. And then, yeah, I started to get into challenging myself, world records, faster times, and just became a student of what running is and what it can be. And what kind of, like when you say world records, what, what were you looking at? What have you accomplished? So, the idea of world records, obviously, as a kid, I'm sure yourself or many people listening, I used to get the Guinness World Record book every single Christmas. And I would sit there and I would read about the woman with the longest nails and the man <laughs> that pulled the heaviest aeroplane by his hair or whatever it would be. And I never really looked and went, I want to be in this book. But as I as I grew up, I was watching a program called Rob and Big. And there's a, there's a guy called Rob Deerdeck from the States who's a skateboarder. I think he had some part in DC shoes and stuff like this. And I was watching an episode on MTV and he broke 21 world records in a day. And I was laying on the safe and I just thought, hmm, wonder what I could do. And I looked at running the fastest one mile. At the, at the time I was running a lot with a, with a weight vest. That was my stimulus at, at the time. And I thought, okay, what can I do with a weight vest? one mile, one kilometer, 10K, half marathon, marathon. So I researched it all. And I reached out to Guinness World Records and they said, oh, we don't have anything that has a weight vest, but we have a weighted backpack. So the stipulation was the weight had to be solely on the back. It couldn't be dispersed all over the body. Okay, I'll give this a go. So I attempted um, the London Marathon. At the time, the world record was four and a half hours with a 20 kilo backpack which is, I think that equals out around eight bottles of Masafi water or two liter water. So you can, you can quantify that. And I think I did it in four hours, 40 minutes. So I was 10 minutes short. Wow. But it was hell. I've still got the scars on my back now from training at Safa Park, getting the correct backpack, the right padding, the right training, the right strength training. Very naive, didn't really approach it in the correct way. And I sat on the side of the London Marathon at about 30 kilometers and went, I'm out. I'm not doing this. And then I ran past. And then obviously, as more people come through, you get to that different parts of the field where people are doing it for different reasons. And you see people coming through that are running their first marathon ever. And they're smiling, they're happy, they're dressed in fancy dress, whatever it may be. And I was like, you've got 20 kilos on your back. And you're just about to run the London Marathon. That is still something to credit yourself for. And I thought, okay, whatever it may be. But obviously at the time, 
that social media, that humiliation, that public humiliation. I was like, people are going to laugh at me. People are going to see I've failed and I don't want to be a failure. I was like, okay. Um, but then the next world records came most burpees in 24 hours on my knuckles, most burpees in 12 hours, most burpees in one minute, um, which I broke. I believe I hold still two of those. I believe the, the one minute world record has gone to someone else now, but still got the certificate at home. So it's still a, a notch. Um, but then I break the world record for the fastest half marathon with a 20 kilo backpack at Russell Kamer half marathon in one hour, 28 minutes. Oh, that's quick. So yeah, that was a massive, a massive moment where one of those moments where that one time out of 10 or even one time out of a hundred when everything just goes to plan. And I don't want to say in, in an arrogant way, it just felt easy. That mindset of like, I'm not, this is hard. I know it's hard, but I wasn't hating myself. I wasn't beating myself up. I wasn't questioning myself. I was like, hmm. I had a good team around me on bikes because some parts of the Guinness World Records, you have to get the evidence to prove that you went through each mile marker. And I did it. I was like, boom. Next. What's yeah. next? What's next? Um, then I broke the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon ran pushing a double stroller with both my daughters. And that was three hours, 28 minutes. Wow. And the world record at the time was four hours. So, yeah, I broke it in Dubai um, with both my daughters. So technically, by default, my daughters are Guinness World Record holders as well. But Good I believe them. that record has gone now as well. And that record, I believe, stands at two hours, 51 minutes now. <laughs> and uh, I think the world record with a triple stroller is even quicker than that which is nuts. And all of these were for charitable reasons, trying to raise awareness related to the trauma and everything that me and my family have gone through. But someone said it to me yesterday. I suddenly, I go through random planes of thought where it can be one side will be imposter syndrome. Should I be here? Should I be able to do this? Am I that good? Can I do this? And then I'll get to a point and it will flip where my mind will just say, Let's do something no one else has ever done before. Yeah. Don't be the best. Be the only person to do this. And that's the juggling act that I go through sometimes where I can be quite low and unmotivated where I don't want to run five kilometers. And five kilometers is tough. And I hate it. I stop it at 3K and go, is 3K enough? We've got to run 2K to get home late. So you might as well just do the 5K. Okay, I'll slow it down. And then I'll get to a point where launching Adidas Runners Dubai here, we launched Adidas Runners Abu Dhabi. I ran from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. From 6 p.m. at night, I believe I was one of the first people just literally run down Sheikhzad Road and arrived in Abu Dhabi to be greeted by 150 people to run the first ever run in Abu Dhabi as Adidas Runners. As captain, I, the idea was to plant the flag and say, we're here. This is a statement. I brought the Dubai community, energy, positivity, inclusivity, to Abu Dhabi, I'm going to do it like this. And again, yes, it was tough. Yes, I did question myself. I had good support around me. But I can go from running, not wanting to run 5K and decide to run 100 kilometers yeah. overnight. And then again, I finished that run maybe at 8 o'clock. 
someone drove me back. I tried to sleep on the back seat of the car, the most uncomfortable position ever, cramp, anything. I was at a kid's birthday party at Splash Pad in Unsakim or Jumeirah, super hot. That's not my kid's problem. Yeah. That's not their problem. And again, it's just that topsy-turviness of trying to be great at something, justify something, build a legacy, um, but understand the reason why I'm doing it. And that is that self-discovery of, I just need to disappear for a while. I need to put myself in a predicament that may be tough. Um, I'm not a big advocate of going to dark places because I feel the average person or the everyday runner feels their success is diminished by because they didn't suffer for it. That suffering can be pressing snooze on an alarm mm. and getting up. That's that's my dark place. Oh, I just don't want to get up and I don't want to do it. That's dark enough for me. And if I come through that and do the job, that's a massive success for me. What makes you... Uh, I don't want to go into like those little tough moments that yeah. you that you get past. I have my own theories on this, but I'm very curious to get yours. Like when the alarm clock goes off and you have the option always yeah. to either say I'm not waking up or I am waking up. Like what is the reason in your head that you are waking up? Like what's the reason that you say, okay, cool, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do this run? Because I'm a different person if I don't. Because my running life has evolved from, yes, finding a passion for it, finding an ability to actually do some quite good times and distances and win some things, but it's become a part of me now. This is my my vice, my thing. I don't buy watches, or blah, blah, blah. I don't drink a lot, but this is my ritual. This is my my meditation, my safe space, my thinking time. So I know I don't always run for pace or run for speed or run for performance. I run for health, whether that's physically, mentally. So I know if I don't get up and move, whether it's 5K, 10K, whatever it may be, my day will be different. I'll mm -hmm. be a different dad. I'll be a different husband. I'll be a different colleague, different friend, different person within myself. The self-love for myself will be different. There will be slightly peaks of guilt of mm, should have ran. You've got to get unfit. And I still go through those moments now. The years of experience and the, the people that I've trained in the communities that I lead, I still have stresses on, I didn't run today. It's a rest day, Lee. Rest. But I'm going to get unfit. I need to do something. And I've learned as a family, understanding that time is valuable. Sometimes I just go, it's fine. Yeah, but it's also just the way it makes you feel, right? Like that's how a run makes you feel. Like I did one yeah. this morning and like both my friend and I, like we finished the run at 6.15, came home, showered, mm. had a coffee and we were sitting there like, it's like seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And we've done an amazing run. We're having a coffee. And yeah. You feel amazing like going into the day and you got the hardest thing done. Yeah. First thing. Yeah. Right? Like just having that feeling is incredible. And when you miss that feeling... You're gonna, you're gonna kind of guilt trip yourself and be like, I could have done this and I could have done that, but it's often for, for the best. That's it. And it's, it's one of those things, yeah, I get up early in the morning and that's not everyone's cup of tea. People do different things at different times that suits their lifestyle and that's absolutely fine. There is that stigma of like getting up in the morning, you're, you're Tony Robbins and everyone else is like, get up at four, this is your routine. 
do it before the world wakes up and you've already got a head start. Yes, and I agree with that. But at the same time, if it suits you to work it out at night and you get what you need from that scenario, do it. There's no right or wrong in terms of doing it early is best for you, doing it late at night is best for you. If it suits your lifestyle and you can be consistent and disciplined to continue that journey, do what best suits you. But I enjoy the, the spirituality of going for a run in the morning, catching that sunrise. And as cheesy as it sounds, that sunrise holds more value than a sunset because people can sit on their ass all day and catch a sunset and take a beautiful picture and share the, insta the motivational quote. You have to go and find a sun sunrise. You have to get up. You have to sacrifice something and you get up. Um, and you do feel rewarded. And it is, at sometimes it's just as simple as ticking something off the list in a busy day. I've done my movement. I'm good. Sometimes if you're in that deficit all the time, those meetings run on traffic. Kids need to get picked up. Kids are ill or you need to do something like being an adult and being a normal person. It just becomes very unpredictable. It becomes very unpredictable. And if you're already in a deficit, mentally, you're just going to kill yourself because then tomorrow comes, you're like, oh, if I do twice as much, I've made up for this. Or I try and do an hour's run in 30 minutes. I break myself, get injured, hate life. Yeah. And then it's that yo-yo effect. That and if you, do your, if you do your workout too late and then you still want to work out in the, ne the next morning, you're yeah. more likely to miss your morning workout. And then it's just this repetitive cycle. This is it. And it, it's as simple as that. And, it's, and I think it's just finding why you're doing it and what you're doing it for. Same as the pandemic. Everyone took it really personally in the beginning. I know many people that had races lined up and everyone was like... <gasps> I've trained so hard for this. And then it was quantifying and not many people can. And I still think about it and go, the entire world stopped. Yeah. Don't take it personally on you didn't get your Tokyo Marathon or your Boston Marathon or your London Marathon medal because you trained. The world's going through something quite significant right now. And we didn't know what it was going on. But then at the same time, people did some crazy things. And it was like, do what you can with what you have at any given time. That, and I guess, like, also know that there's bigger problems in the world at 100%. that point than you missing your marathon, yeah. right? And, but then the simplicity of life, everything slowed down. And I think a lot of people find it hard when they slow down. And this is when you're in bed and everything slows down, everything's quiet. The thoughts in your head become a lot louder. Yeah. And when things slow down, people are like, oh, I can't distract myself with anything. I can't go out. I can't do anything. So you're like... What can I do? And people get bored. And it's like boredom comes from being a boring person and not ha having patience to spend time on your own. And I was lucky enough to live in a villa. And a lot of people had a lot of trouble with living in apartments because they couldn't get out. So I ran every day in my back garden, three kilometers. And I came from training for the Tokyo Marathon during that pandemic where I was running 25, 30. And that was my good runs. 3k every day was unreal. Just like, I can do something here. I'm lucky enough to be able to do this. I can do it. And then the mind starts to say, let's do something a little bit crazy. And I said to my wife, and I can literally envision where I was in the house when we had that conversation. I went, just so you know, I think I need to run a marathon in the back garden. Love it. And she went, okay. I think you do. Okay. Um, and a, kind of, a part of me was like, 
I need to do it before anyone else does. Um, and I think there was a guy in America, whether it was New York or Washington, he ran a marathon up and down his balcony and just went, right, if he can do his balcony, I can do 30, 30 meters up and down. I think it was just over a thousand times I had to run up and down my garden. It took me like five and a half hours. Kids came out, wife ran her first 5K, literally running around. I had to set out a course of like the doll's house and then there was a football cone and then I ran out the gate, touched the end of my garage and then came back in, touched the wall repetitive all the time um and then as i'd done that i was like okay that got a lot of traction it was like got some positive results from it people are like okay i'm gonna do something in my apartment i'm gonna run up and down my studio apartment for a marathon so again like what i thought was difficult people just superseded that again like a, a studio apartment took them like seven hours yeah but they felt accomplished they felt they could do that then I was like, right, I need to do something and inspire some people. And then the next week, I run 100 kilometers in the back garden. <laughs> and that was life-changing, I would say. One of the toughest things I've ever done in terms of, on the other side of that window, there was a sofa, there was a bed, there was a refrigerator full of food. There was a sense of, just go and sit down, leave for an hour. Mm. What's your rush? There's no record here. There's no time. You're doing this. No one else has told you to do this. Chill. I was like, no, I'm determined just to do this. And the process was to raise awareness for the frontline workers working 15-hour shifts and, and bring a bit of attention to them. And it took me 15 and a half hours, three and a half thousand times up and down my garden, started at 2.30 in the morning, finished at like quarter to nine at night. Um, and again, the kids came out. The kids wanted piggyback. <laughs> kids wanted piggybacks. I think it was seventy-eight kilometers, and having two daughters, one's older than the other. If one has one, the other wants it. The other one wants one as well. But again, that's the fun of it. That's the point where I'm at. My kids want a piggyback. They're going through this pandemic also. So seventy-eight kilometers. There was piggybacks up and down, and then I got the job done and reflected on that and spoke to people and just inspired myself but i'm that person where if the mind tells me to do something i can't lose that thought process until it's done is that kind of the main reason for because everyone has their own reasons for doing crazy stuff right yeah. like and it could be multiple but like is that sort of top of the list I've got to a point, like my running journey, when I when we spoke about those dark times, I'm always reflecting on other people have gone through harder things than me. Shut up, you're moaning. Yeah. Stop bitching about it. And that was my, and it was, I would say it was quite a negative mindset to be in. I was using it as a grief process to not necessarily run away from the trauma and the stress and the grief, but that was my time to bring myself to the lowest cry, be upset, question myself, and then re-energize myself to come back and go, right, I'm all yours. Who needs me? What do you need me for? I'm here to support. And that's, I'll always try and go back to those tough times within those new battles and say, you did that, Lee, and you're good. This is fine. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And yeah. I have the same, I kind of have the same mindset. Like I've done now, I compare everything to the 100K that I did. Yeah. You know, whether it's like waking up in the morning, whether it's like 
writing an email, preparing a presentation, having a tough yeah. conversation, like doing a run. I'm like, you did 100K. Yeah. Like, what is this compared to running 100? But it's also, and this is what people neglect. Like, I'll always go back to the Boston Marathon 2018, which was on paper like the coldest, wettest marathon ever. It was like minus seven, torrential rain, landslides. I was questioning, am I going to get home to see my family? And I was looking at the ambulances, the medical centers, and the queues coming out. And I was like, it'll be quicker for me to finish this marathon than for me to, to get in this ambulance. And it was well documented. Obviously, I think the winners finished in jackets and beanie hats and hoods on and stuff like that. And I'll always go back to that point. And someone said it to me when I ran to Abu Dhabi. And she sent me a message going, Lee, you can do this. You did Boston. Yeah. And I went, yes, I did. Shut up. And that's, but that's also the thing to look upon is like, yes, you did 100 kilometers, but don't underestimate the commitment and discipline you had to do to train for that 100 kilometers. That 100 kilometers is the cherry on the cake. Was the result. Was the result. That commitment for six months worth of dedication, anxiety, fatigue to build yourself up to that point is something everyone forgets to remember. And that's, that, that's key. Training for something for so long. I, I've said to many people, put that on your resume, that you can solely dedicate yourself to something that is six months away and produce the result you planned six months ago. And you have this regiment, this routine, this discipline, this consistency is a trait that can't be underestimated in any way, shape, or I've form. Told, I've told someone recently when we opened, so we opened a new business eight months ago. And we got a project solely because I'm an ultra, yep. ultra distance runner. Yeah. And because the, the person was an ultra distance runner himself, mm. sat in front of me and he's like, he's like, I fully trust you. Like, mm. I know you're going to get the job done. Right. And I'm like, yeah, can't deny it. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It's going to happen. hundred percent. It's that self-belief, goal setting, moonshot. It's everything from an, an employment perspective, pitching jobs, recruitment, it ticks every single box. And then you've got the end result. It's, it's a project within itself. Yeah. And that's something pe people easily forget. Have you seen any downsides to doing these massive things? Um, personally, personally, yes. I, it's, it, sometimes it's tough for me in the beginning, what's next and if it, whatever is next needs to be bigger, better, and whatever, and bigger. Naturally. Naturally. Um, but again, I've, I've matured within that where I've come full circle now where I'm like, and I communicate this to people, it's, I'd rather run a marathon than 5K. I'd rather run a marathon than running 5K as quick as possible. I'd rather run a marathon than running one kilometer as fast as possible. That is hell. That scares the living life out of me because there's nowhere to hide. Where a marathon, yes, you have that flexibility, time and distance where you can ride the emotions and you can have your highs, you can have your lows, but still come out the other end, potentially hitting that goal. 5K, you're, you're naked and afraid because there's nowhere to hide and everyone's looking and you can't do anything about it. But coming out of it is the naivety of, and I mean this in the nicest way, the naivety of the fitness industry within this region Everyone wants everything tomorrow, yesterday. I'm like, 
Lee, how can I run like you? How can I look like you? I'm like, this is 26 years of work, not obviously dedicated work, different goals and different settings and different things, but, and I'm still not done. I'm still a student. I'm still learning. I still have the same traumas, battles, negotiations mentally in my head to finish something or start something as everyone else. And it's for me to be as vocal as I can about, I'm not telling you to run 40 marathons in 40 days. What I'm saying is you can do something and that can be 15 minutes a day. Yeah. That's, that's your goal. And it's something we always drive with Adidas runners is if you come to us and say, one kilometer is my marathon, so to speak, is my moonshot, is my goal. We're 100% invested. We're not going to turn that down. We're not going to say that's inferior. That's not. We're not even going to say you can do better than that. We are simply going to open the door and allow you to walk through that door to see what is possible on the other side. We're not going to mold you into something. And I think that running industry here sometimes is you're not a runner until you run a marathon. It's like, well, hold on a minute. Usain Bolt runs a... 100 meters. I think within his 12 years of Olympics, it comes under just under 10 minutes worth of running, so to speak. 100% a runner. 400 meter runners, 800 meter runners, 5K runners, runners. And I wouldn't say, yes, I've run ultra marathons in terms of I've ran that distance. I've never competed over that distance, but I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not an ultra marathon runner. I am a runner. And it's just allowing myself to be that and not pigeonhole myself on I'm this person I'm that person because that's what I, I find a lot of people tend to do without understanding why they want to do it yeah and I also think that like from the outside you know you tend to compare yourself a lot to people right so like someone who might be approaching you guys yeah might be like well you know I'm not like you Lee I'm mm. not I'm not a runner because yeah. he or she is comparing themselves to someone who's just some done something yeah. crazy or continues to do something that's yeah. crazy. So I think that's also kind of a tough thing to... But it's that, that's what I'll always try and communicate. It's like, I'll look at your Mo Farahs, your Elliot Kipchoge's, your recently watching the documentary on Netflix, the Tour de France Unchained. Wild. Yeah. I'm not looking at that going, I'm going to get on the bike and I'm going to do what they're doing. Yeah. How I look upon it is, where does their mind go to allow them to do that? And then I'll quantify it into my ability and go, well, those guys are roughing it for a very long time at the peak of their their sport same as footballers that mental anxiety that social media pressure delivering on the day is that mindset that i'm so intrigued and forever wanting to learn about that it's not what i do my speed is my speed my distance is my distance put it in your terms yeah and be accepting of that and I think that comes down to that community culture of the acceptance of what these people are doing. Because people run to lose weight, stress relief, run their fastest time, raise money for charity. They're all in the same club. We're all going in the same direction. We're all fighting the same fight. There's enough space for everyone, but people get that stigma of data, apps, technology, gadgets, fads. And the simplicity of it is it's sleep, eat, Repeat. Recovery. Recovery. Yeah. Recovery, it's training make training breaks us, recovery makes us. Yeah. And a lot of people from the 40 marathons to 40 days, people are like, What should you do to recover? And I went, I did everything exactly the same every single day. 
I didn't change anything. I didn't question it. I allowed that to mature enough that I could see the result where people get, people question a program within two weeks of a new program. Oh, I can't see any difference. Well, you're not. But you win in six weeks if you keep doing what you're doing. I think that's, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, and the biggest reason that I enjoy um, ultra running is setting long-term goals. Yeah. Like you have to completely transform as a person yeah. in order to achieve the goal that you've set out for yourself, right? The, the Lee Ryan today won't be able to achieve the goal that you're setting out for next year. Otherwise you would do it today. Yeah. 100%. Right. Like for me, it was the same thing for the hundred, for whatever I've done. Yeah. When I first started training, like there was no way that I could, you know, I could probably do it yeah. in walking and whatever else, but like, I wouldn't be able to reach it. And to your point, I think a lot of people wanted yesterday right? Like they're not thinking longer term yeah. or like trying to create a habit out of this, right? Yeah. Like how can you stay consistent with this? And sometimes it requires you to set a goal. For me, at least like setting a goal helps me stay consistent as well. But people aren't patient. No, not at all. People aren't patient enough. And it's also understanding that. And again, very cliche, it's not linear. It's not a dream. Training for a marathon, training for an ultra, training for anything is not dreamy all the way through. Yeah. 40 marathons in 40 days. I woke up at three o'clock every morning. I hated life at three o'clock every morning. What time did you go to sleep? Eight o'clock, yeah. 8.30, which is routine anyway. It's funny, me and my wife laugh a lot. The kids will go to bed at like 6.37 and we'll have an hour before we turn to each other and go, should we go to bed? Yeah, let's go to bed. Because we enjoy sleep. Thankfully, the kids sleep all the way through, which is a massive uh, stress relief, but... I'd go to bed at 8, 8.30, wake up at 3, out the door at 3.30. At no point was I jumping out of bed going, yippee, I'm going to go and run a marathon today. What did you, what happened between 3 and 3.30? I would wake up, I would drink water straight away. That's the first thing I do every single day without fail. I'll have probably 500 ml water just in a, in a beaker. I'll get out of bed, turn my alarm off, get out of bed. It's on the dresser. I will down that before I leave the room. That's again a tick. Yeah. Uh, technically, I'm a quarter of my way through of the water I should consume in a marathon or no marathon. You're having that. I'm having that every single day without fail. Got it. Um, and then I'd go downstairs, get dressed, have two pieces of toast with jam on, have a coffee, and you're out. And then I'm out. Then I would within within that preparation, I would freeze. Um, I would obviously make my prep, all of my my fuel the night before, get the ice box, put it all in, gels, dates, nut bars, pull it all in, put it outside the front door, headphones in, stick a podcast on, run a marathon. I'd run four laps of the same route every single day for 40 days. Where was it? Uh, Town Square, where I live. Okay. So I'd literally run from my door. And again, that was another comforting aspect. I don't have to travel anywhere. I don't have to travel back. When I'm done, I'm done. I'm at home. So I'd run four laps, exactly the same route every single day, and I would be accepting of that. Where again, a lot of people go, oh, but it's boring. I need, need variety. And it's like, you, you want variety because you want variety on your Instagram posts. You want a different photo to post. Essentially, you get the work done anywhere. You I remember training for a marathon, and 
I was training close to here in Zabil. There's this uh, Zabil Park. Yeah. And it was like a 1.2 kilometer lap. Mm-hmm. And I used to run that like 25, 26 times. Yeah. And the reason I loved it was because you don't have to think. Exactly. Right? Like everything is there for you. And you just run until exactly. you until you're done. But then you can also gauge fitness through how you're feeling. Right, this is lap five. This is how I should be feeling. This Good is how, point. how I felt yesterday. And again, that was that routine. The first lap was always like, wake, wake yourself up. Like there was one morning, I think it was like day 36. It was 38 degrees, 76% humidity. Oh my God. And, I just, and again, I, I took it 100% personally. I literally looked at the sky and went, why me? I've got to run a marathon today. But then you're like, I chose to do this. I chose to do this. But Lee, you've also done 36 before this and we're okay. Yeah. Relax. And then get myself going, find that pace, a few niggles, knees, hips, feet, dislocated my toe on the 11th marathon because that route that was always the same happened to change on the 11th day. There was a bit of a construction site where I used to add on one kilometer, which made a world of difference on that lap. And they put a pile of bricks and at that time in the morning, there's no street lamps. And I just clipped it with the edge of my left foot, dislocated my little toe. At the time, I thought, that hurts a lot. I've just banged it. You, you felt it immediately? I felt it immediately. But then I've like jumped and stepped just to try and like, what is that? Is that my nail come off? Because all of my nails are gone anyway. And I've just stepped and it, the pain quadrupled. And what had actually happened after finding out afterwards was, I dislocated it, but also put it back in. Okay. So the swelling just went, Okay. just just blew up. So yeah, I had to run the remainder of the marathons with a dislocated tire. But again, it is, right, I've got a job to do, Lee. It is what it is. It's not stopping me. It's uncomfortable. It's quite annoying, but tune yourself out. Um, Yeah, and I'll get out the door, come back. How long, what was your sort of average? I was running no quicker than five-minute kilometers, no slower then 5.30. There was a few days where it was a little bit slower. Like I think it was like within the first 10 days. So I did the first 10 without telling anyone. So I set this challenge for myself. I went, right, I need to do something. I came out of Dubai Marathon, beginning of the year, quite low. I was eight seconds off my PB. I didn't feel happy about that. I didn't feel sad about that. I just felt, nah. And I didn't run for six weeks after the Dubai Marathon. That's a substantial amount of time. And I could feel that eating away at me of like, right, you need to do something, Lee, to scare you enough to get kickstart. Um, and I said to my wife, I went, I, I think I'm going to do 20 marathons in 20 days. She's like, when are you starting that? I went, next week. She went, heat? I went, it's hot whenever it is. It's going to be as tough as when it, whatever it needs, but there's no good time to do such a thing. My mindset is I need to get it done, not overthink it, not make it too big. But I'm not going to tell anyone about it because, number one, I don't know if it's possible. I didn't really train for this. I had that longevity in the sport and staying fit and healthy and being an athlete, so to speak, in terms of living that lifestyle. I wasn't training for this challenge. Marathon one, eh, that's okay. See how the body feels tomorrow, marathon two. And then I got to the 10th and thought, right, I'm in. I'm not going to do 30 marathons in 30 days because that's been done before here. Right, how far do I want to go? And I thought, right, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it for a reason. 
because on those dark days when it gets to those latter stages, I need a reason to get up in the morning. And you and you thought that like after you did the ten and it after kind of the became 10, real. I thought, right, I'm going to put it out into the big wide world, the the blessing and the curse of social media. Be accountable, put it out there. Forty marathons in forty days. This is this is how far I'm going to go. And, and initially, it was like I'm going to see how many I can do. And then it got to a point where some media reached out and they wanted to ask me some questions and I said to my wife and went, they're going to ask me how many I'm doing. Yeah, because you didn't announce 40, right? No. And I was like, I, I need to call a number. And I worked out the dates and I said, right, I'm just going to do 40. That works out. We finished then. Then it, it becomes the eat break and some holidays and then it will start to get unhealthily hot yeah. to start to, to be doing these things. And I committed to that and uh, yeah, I just went through the rigmarole of the up and downs, the the first hour, blow morale. I'm going to stop tomorrow. I'm going to stop tomorrow. And put it out there and raised awareness for Sparkle Foundation and all of my other world records, marathons have always been connected to reasons close to my heart, my family's heart, whether it would be cancer or um, loss of a child or anything like that. And that's amazing and i'm sure the money raised and the awareness have done amazing things for that charity it was almost like a thank you to some of these foundations that supported me and my family but it was like that's a big corporation so to speak you don't know where your money's going and a lot of people within that donation phase they want to know the end product of their donation what are they getting for their money more particular I suppose. more particular and this is where i was like right sparkle foundation did some research, phoned up a friend and said, do you have any connections with charities in Africa, building schools, supporting kids? And they went, yeah. We, funny enough, I met a lady two days ago called Sarah Brooke. Her story will blow your mind. She's definitely one to get on this podcast, by the way. If her story is not made into a movie very soon, it will blow my mind. Um, and I'd never met her. And I reached out to her on, on Instagram and said, right, I'd love to, I'm thinking of this challenge. This is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. But at the same time, I wanted my daughters to see daddy doing something for someone else and going through tough things um, and seeing the consequence of it where I'd get the videos and the pictures of these kids and the, the tutors and the volunteers on the ground in Malawi sending me thank yous. I was like, there's my motivation. Yeah. Right? Things get hard, watch the video. Watch the video. There's a kid saying thank you. There's a kid getting water or they're not getting water or they're getting fed and um, I know where this this money, almost $10,000 is going to to support this fam these families and these communities. And for you, I mean, like exposing your kids to something like that is yeah. so powerful, right? And potentially next February in school half term, we're all going to Malawi and we're going to volunteer for five days. Yeah. And the kids are going to see these kids and experience life, not where we needed to give them a reality check on how good life is here in Dubai. We, we, we keep them very grounded, but at the same time, they need to understand how the world works. Also, how to make a difference. How to make a difference, 100%. And me and my eldest daughter, we went to uh, the expo center to do some box packing for the earthquake. Um, and again, this is helping. And it's not disciplining them to help other people. It's like, this is what we do. Yeah. And now it's got to a point where if I go to a petrol station, I'll often go, I'm going to get some water for the petrol pump guys. That I'm not going to give them a monetary tip because I don't know where that goes. I'm going to give them some water. Now they've got to a point where they'll buy it themselves and go and give it to the, the guys. 
and they'll volunteer their orange juice that they got or whatever it may be. They're seeing it without it being a thing, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it, that and normality. I, and I guess you're not like what you're doing is you're just being the example versus like forcing something yeah. on them, right? And yeah, hundred percent. You're also saying something as simple as like, "Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to run forty marathons in forty yeah. days." You're automatically going to see what type of difference that makes just as a kid. It's that consistent example, and yeah. that's the difference as well. It's like you can do one thing. And you try and hold that against them for the rest of their life. But it's allowing them to see mommy and daddy are still learning. And a lot of that stigma is when you become a parent, you should know everything. We're still learning as parents. And I trained for my first triathlon. Couldn't swim. I could swim to a pool bar to get a cocktail. Very, I'm very good at that. But feeling confident enough to run, to be in a competitive environment in the open water to swim, I had to get swimming lessons. And my daughter came and watched my swimming lessons. She was like, Daddy, you're doing what I do in my swimming lessons. I went, yep, because Daddy needs to learn something. Yeah. So again, for them to see... Humility. That humility that Daddy needs to learn something new. Daddy's scared and Daddy's not getting it right. They were like, ah, oh, it's okay to try and try again and learn something new. And again, it just gives them that experience. And it's like never... Also, it's like never too late to learn something new. Exactly. Right, 100%. Like ongoing curiosity and like seeking for knowledge and all these sort of things is so important. You to have see. to be a student. Yeah. And I seen something the other day and it was like, always be willing to learn or you don't know everything. And I replied going, is that for the clients or for the coaches? Because there's a lot of coaches and people within leadership responsibilities that sell that they know everything. Mm. They're not willing to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know that, but I I know someone else that might be able to support. And that's where they get found out. It's not authentic, where you just have to be willing to learn something. And that learning doesn't isn't always groundbreaking. It could be as simple as, I learned something new this morning on my run. But it's being self-reflective enough to, to see that and document it and journal it. And I suppose like for everyone listening, like that doesn't, because for me and for you, that time is probably during our runs, yeah, right? Because those are the times where for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, like we're going without communication or we're going without yeah. like external distractions and whatever. It's so rare in today's society to, to have time where you're just completely undistracted yeah. and like the ability to then deal with tough thoughts right because the first thing that happens when you have a tough thought is like you distract yourself yeah so now for you to go on a run you get to reflect on life on situations yeah. on challenges you might be facing and for whoever's listening it doesn't have to be a run it could be anything yeah but i think allocating some time daily if not every other day where at least for 30 minutes to an hour like you don't have that distraction yeah. is so important but it's it's that self-love. It's being comfortable in your own thoughts. Yeah. It's being comfortable to be on your own. And a lot of people aren't used to that. And essentially, you are on your own when you're on your phone, but you feel a connection with something or whether it's a message or whatever it be. But essentially, you're on your own. You're in your own thoughts and you're going to go, oh, I'll message this person. But it's, it's that boredom factor. I get bored. And again, it comes down to understanding why you're doing something. And in, in that running sense, Running isn't hard, but thinking about running is hard. Yeah. And you can easily overthink things all the time. 
and compare yourself. And it can be, you can compare yourself. The worst thing you can do is compare yourself to people in the middle of that run. Yeah. Oh, so-and-so did this yesterday. I'm going to try and do the same. And it's like, it's not, we need to stop comparing ourselves. Don't, don't compare your day one to someone else's day, like thousand. Yeah. Right? Like no one should compare themselves to to you. Like, exactly. They should compare themselves to themselves. But I'm not going to compare myself to a professional athlete. Yeah. And as we said before, it's like, I finished the daily marathons and I was in the office for yeah. 9, 9.30 or That's I was working from home or I was crazy. taking my kids to school. That's behind closed doors. That's what you don't see. But I'll try and share that on social media, not in a look at me, I'm doing amazing. I'm an amazing dad. I'm an amazing husband because I like to feel like I'm, I'm good at that, but I also have my faults. I'm not perfect within that scenario, but the implications of why I do things and the challenges that are manifested from me have no, should have no burden on my family Yeah. in terms of stealing time, not being there to support my wife, looking after the kids or whatever, whatever. We have our balances where she'll go out and I'll go out and we have that, that negotiation, which is healthy, which is what it should be. You should have your own interests and come together within that central force and say, how's your day? and not live in each other's pockets. But at the same time, now it's got to a point where I understand the we scenario, not the me scenario. Did you guys kind of like pre-communicate that before you started where it was like, hey, listen, like I'm going to start at this time. I'll be done by this time and I will be like yes, going to work. And I've done it for long enough now where my wife will understand that I won't be running till silly o'clock. Kind of goes without saying. It goes without saying. Um, and... I'll be quite honest and transparent. There is times when there's tension, when I, I may be back a, a little bit later than I did say I would be and things are, we're running around and stuff like that. But this initially came from one of the biggest failures. And I'd say failure in the lightest word. I attempted to run for 24 hours on a treadmill a couple of years ago. One of the hardest experiences ever. Failed miserably, 16 hours in, severe, like almost kidney failure, liver failure, blood toxicity was off the charts. How did that happen? It's a great question. I trained for seven months post-pandemic. Again, the idea came from, right, I don't know how long this pandemic's working for or happening for. How can I train for something indoors? And this is when everyone was buying the gym equipment. Amazon distributors were like, we have nothing left. Everyone's getting fit at home. Um, and I reached out to Technogym. I said, um, I would like to attempt the world record for 24 hours on a treadmill, which was 263 kilometers in 24 hours. So a lot of this time was in my spare room, looking at a wall six inches from the end of my nose training. Lucky enough, this techno gym um, setup was obscene, widescreen TV, watching Netflix and stuff like that, and just getting on the treadmill. And at the time... Sadly, my, uh, we went through a bit of trauma. My wife lost her mother and we had to, during the pandemic, so she had to go back to the UK and ended up being there for eight weeks. So I was at home with the kids on my own. So again, two o'clock in the morning, close the door, spare room, finish in time, take the kids to school. And I got to the point where the, the challenge was set in Dubai Mall, arguably the world's biggest mall, world's busiest mall, in the front of the Adidas store, which is the biggest in the Middle East, in the front window next to the ice rink. One of the most demoralizing environments to be in, in terms of 
Being in the public. Being in public. Yeah. Nowhere to hide. Being a zoo exhibit, people banging on the window, people standing in your eye line without engaging with you, just staring. Because they didn't, and to play devil's game, they didn't know what was happening. They just saw someone run. They just saw someone run, and they're just going to stare and go, what's this crazy man doing? And it was from 10 a.m. in the morning till planned to be 10 a.m. the next morning. Got to like 12 o'clock. So I got to about 100 kilometers, feeling fine, at half a burrito, because obviously when you're running for so long and obviously you've experienced in the ultra, it gets to a point where you're going through meal times. So real food has to be consumed. Yeah, It's not gels and sweets all the time. And you get so sick of them as well. You get so sick, you can't stomach it anymore and you have to have that variety. And I said to my team as well, Bring me surprises. This is your your um, list of potential ingredients. This is what you need to bring, but surprise me. And they did. And I was like, oh, nailed it. I'm having one of those. Um, and I had a burrito and I was fine. 100 kilometers in, started to slack off a bit on the pace and started to fall asleep a little bit on the treadmill. Ooh. Almost to the point where, like I say, when you're driving, you're really tired and that blink is a little bit longer than it should be. And then suddenly you're, you're a little bit startled. So the first time, tripped a bit on the on the belt, managed to put my hands down and get back on the belt. And then the second time, I tripped on the belt, I fell off the back of the treadmill. And lucky enough, I landed on my feet somehow, like a surfer, just hmm. at the back of the treadmill went, did anyone see that? How did, how did that happen? And I said to the team, I went, right, I need to make some time up and so I can sleep for 15 minutes. Um, and the idea was run 11, 11 kilometers an hour every hour and you have like six minutes leeway, toilet break, for which that toilet break was jump into a wheelchair, someone wheels me to the toilet, I go to the toilet, they wheel me back just through efficiency, not through saving my legs, just through it's a very busy mall, you don't know how that toilet's going to be, bring yourself back. And the previous record holder would, would nap for five minutes within that time. I never got to that point and I said, right, I need to sleep. So I ended up having my consistent pace was like 4.30. That was the 4.36 was the race pace. I had to come down to like a 4.10 for 15 kilometers. Right. So I finished at 115 kilometers at 4.15 and laid down on the, on the floor, cover over my head. I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep. My body was wide. The adrenaline was off the charts. I just needed to go and just decompress for a bit. Woke up. Body was as flexible as this table that we're speaking on now. Mm -hmm. And I said, right, I just need to eat something. Had the other half of that burrito was fine. And then my body just went, we don't want that anymore. Started to feel hot and cold, sweats, that watery mouth that you get before you feel you want to vomit. I said, right, I need to go and vomit. I need to go. And we've all vomited before and we can go, right, I know what that was. And it's all out of me now. I'm going to feel better. The thing is, this vomit was black. Tar. And I was oh. like, hmm, that's an issue. Yeah, that's and not the burrito. That's, and you don't need any negative thoughts seeping in. And I'm always an advocate of never plant that negative seed because it grows so quick. And I envision it as if someone gives me, oh, it's hot today, or it's really sweaty today, or blah, blah, blah. Oh, you look tired today, Lee. Someone's planted that seed. Yeah. Damn it, it's going to grow. Yeah. And I just looked and went, oh, that's going to be an issue. And my mind was playing tricks, and then my body just went, super cold i was running in two hoodies and majority of that run i'd been super hot 
Then I went, guys, I need to sleep again. I ended up sleeping for like an hour. Team woke me up. Everything was packed away. And they went, Lee, you're done. Yeah. And I just went, okay. Yeah. Because I got that team on board because I didn't want to micromanage them. They were a, a confident enough team and I had confidence in them to, for them to look at me and go, Make decisions. You good? Do you need anything? They just went, you're done. And they went, you could carry on, but everyone's going to turn up tomorrow expecting to celebrate a world record. You're not going to be in that mindset. You're not going to be that person. Let's call it now. So like four o'clock in the morning, made a video, said sorry to everyone. Everyone's like, why are you saying sorry? But it is that public humiliation. You put yourself on the line and that's dealing with how do I go again? And then the next morning, 200 messages, a good vast majority of them is, what's next? Yeah. I'm like, hold on a minute. But there's one message that stands out. You didn't quit. You just chose to live another day. Yeah. I was like, I'm good with that. And in hindsight, raising awareness for mental health, I think more people got more out of that aspect of me failing and continuing to endeavor for the next challenge than me winning. Yeah, and also you going, if you were to continue, it goes against like good mental health as well. 100%. Right? But again, this is what I said before. I'm not a professional. This yeah. is a hobby. Yeah. I don't get paid for this. If I am a top 10 athlete, I am going to break myself until I am broken in half to complete this win, win the paycheck, whatever I'm, I may do. Tomorrow, I've got to wake up as a dad. I've got to wake up as a husband. I've got to go to work. I can't compromise that because that is 99.9% .9 of my life. And that's number one. 100%. Yeah. Every single time. And I'm not, it, it, it's a hard conversation. It's that back and forth. I'll be fine. I should, no. Tomorrow, you've got to wake up and not be detrimental in your health, your everyday life, because what's the point? Yeah. And you've got to be on, right? Like well, yeah. in those situations, like you can't be. 50% there when you yeah. have a conversation with your wife or taking care of your kids or going this to work. Yeah, 100%. Because then it, it, and this is what it's about sometimes. And people push through injury and it's like, don't quit. It's like quitting is absolutely fine. Yeah. It takes a lot to know when you're done. Yeah. And to go again tomorrow, where people have that mentality of, I'm injured, but I don't care. I'm going to keep going. Why? Who, who for? And deep down, they know it's all oh, because Strava, because Twitter, <laughs> because Instagram. I can't be seen to not be able to do it. And it's like, who are you doing it for? Yeah. And I guess you've got to pick your battles. Like for me with the 100, my only two outs were if I snapped something, if I broke something. Yeah. Like those were my two outs. Yeah. Outside of that, like if I had a niggle here or a pain there or like, because I felt my IT band and whatever, but like, yeah. those are the things you push through, right? But, but this is understanding that every athlete that you see on the start line, has a niggle. Yeah. Is not 101%. Everyone who's at that starting line already has a niggle. Has a niggle, yeah. has blisters, has had a massage, has had strapped up. LeBron James is strapped. You like if you see his regiment before he gets onto that onto that core, how his ankles are wrapped, how everything is done, his pre-game warm-up, his massages, his nutrition, he has to do that. And he may not be 100%, but all of that gives him that 100% mentality to go, right, I'm out there to do it. Yeah. And again, we do this for fun. If it's not fun, why are you doing it? Yeah. Don't beat yourself up for status or inclusion or acceptance just to be involved in a conversation. If you're not included in that conversation from the get-go, they're the wrong energy. They're the wrong people.
find yourself some new people. If you have someone listening to this now and like thinking about setting a massive goal for themselves in sport, maybe, what kind of advice would you give to them? In terms of maybe how, how to shape that goal. Yeah. Be patient enough. Give yourself enough time to learn everything you need to know. It's not about struggle. Struggle doesn't make success any more glorious. For me, if you're struggling and it's really hard and it's really tough and you have to crawl over that line, yes, environmental things, loads of things go wrong on the day. But for me, if you get to that point where it's really hard and really struggling and it was the hardest thing you've ever done, you didn't prepare well enough. Mm. So give yourself long enough to prepare and learn everything. The preparation is probably the hardest thing you've ever done. But that takes dedication. That takes discipline. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. If you're going to read a book, yeah. you don't read page one and then jump to page the last page. You've got to read every chapter, write every chapter. Sometimes you've got to go back and rewrite a chapter and allow yourself to embrace that process. Journal it, document it. And I do it through video, through voice note. And some, some I'll share on social media, but some I'll look back on because it's, I find it hard to just put it into a written word straight away. And I'll just, the emotion of the words that I'm speaking through a voice note or through a video will go, I know how I feel in that moment. And just allow yourself to grow into that. But at the same time, make it big enough that it scares you, but understand the reason why you're doing it. Not to be, again, not to be a part of a group, not to be a part of this society or this community or whatever it may be. You find a lot of the people that you're aspiring to be like, your sports stars, your movie stars, your entrepreneurs, they stand alone. And people come and join them. Just allow yourself to be that person. Yeah. And yes, you will get lonely. You will, feel, you will feel like you're the only person doing it. But when you turn up on that start line, whether it is a race or a solo challenge, you will see there's a lot of other people that have turned up and done exactly the same thing as you. And you have that instant connection when you stand on that start line and go, we've all done something for the last six months and we're here. And you're just bonded. And it's this nothing like that marathon start line, ultra marathon race start line where you just, that silent minute before the gun goes, you're like, everyone's doing exactly. We're in this together. We're literally in this together. And there's that, that, those nods, those looks, those stares. And when you finish, and it's something I'll always try and do is whenever I finish a race, I will wait for that, the next person to come through to say, well done. Cheer them on. Yeah. Cheer them on because it's, why would you not? Because they've big just, moment. It's a big moment, a big but moment. they've just battled their way through and you don't know what that means to you. And it could be, I'm just going to run a 5K because I can. That person behind you, that could be life-changing. But that also, congratulations and celebration. Without asking how fast they run that race, that's one thing, one of the gripes here within this community is like, hug me, smile with me, say congratulations, so well done. Then ask me, yeah. How quick to the run? Or don't. Or don't. Or don't yeah. even go there. We don't need to talk about we it. We don't need to talk about it. Comparison, again. My success doesn't contribute to your failure or success. Because I don't care what you've done. Yeah. Just high five me. Just high five me. Just give me a hug and say, well done. Yeah. Because that's that's the simplicity of what it is. And it's your, your hellos when you're out for a run, your, your thank yous and stuff like that. Humility in success allows people, and, and if you're true advocates of the sport and you want to share this with other people, 
being an open book to people, not being arrogant with your success, being welcoming, saying hello, allows people to step into an already intimidating environment and go, I can accept this because they want to be around those type of people. Yeah, making yourself approachable, right? Because 100%. I think for like guys like yourself, recently for myself as well, like have people find their own version of running 40 marathons in 40 days and like, and like be there for them and, and don't be that guy who is the ultra endurance runner. Like just be a runner or be a friend or be a whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a support system. Yeah, because... Yes, I run 40 marathons, 40 days, and I've five world records. I had a day one. Yeah. Remember that. And you have off days. I have my off days. Yeah. I have my days when I cannot be bothered and I don't do it. Yeah, the mental process, and I think this is something that a lot of people might be overseeing, like the mental process that you go through every day of your anxieties and your doubts and your question of, am I doing the right thing, is the same thing as someone who's running for the first time, right? Like, it's not just because Correct. you've run as much as you have, yeah. doesn't mean that those emotions don't yeah. exist. Like you still have those and they're still prevalent. And I've grown into that mindset where I am a runner, but running doesn't make me, it's not my identity, yeah. so to speak. Now, during the 40 marathons of 40 days, I made sure I enjoyed every aspect. Yes, I did have a bit more leniency with what food I could eat because I was running so much, but I just didn't eat chicken and rice, chicken and rice, chicken and pasta. I enjoyed, if I wanted a chocolate bar, I had a chocolate bar. If I wanted a pizza, I had a pizza. And you could at that point. I mean, But even still in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's that balance. Yes, there is that balance and there's, there's heavy swings left and right. And if you're out every weekend socializing with friends, that's your business. But don't complain about what's not getting accomplished with your other feats. But don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, Just keep it. it fun. And again, I keep coming back to it. It's a hobby. Yeah. Keep it fun, keep it enjoyable, keep it lighthearted. Yes, work hard. Yes, there will be times when you have to work hard. But the consequence of that is that documenting, that journaling, that remembering is, could you have done that four weeks ago? No. Look at you now. Look at you now. And I said to the community with Adidas Runners, we're doing track sessions. And they're like, oh, this is really tough. I went, this never gets easy your recovery or whatever it is the the main outcome and the data that shows that you're getting fitter. But is it getting cooler or are we acclimatizing to the heat better yeah. with our fitness? Yeah. Because if we gave you that workout six weeks ago, you ain't doing it. Ah, now you put it like that. Yeah, you need you need to see the progress, right? Like Because that's when you know that it's working. Yeah. But also at the same time, Everyone's different. You learn something different. You don't judge a run by the first mile. Yeah. The first kilometer sucks for everyone. But at the same time, what you did two weeks, two years ago, doesn't necessarily mean you can do it two years later. Where you go, oh, I used to be able to run a, a sub 20 minute 5K. Don't think you're walking out the door and doing it again. Because life changes, you get older. It's going to take a bit of time. It's going to take a bit of time. Yeah. And again, that's, that's people's problem. They go, I used to be able to do that. I should be able to do it again. No. Yeah, when I was 18, the mile I ran then is not the mile I'm yeah, running today. Because essentially every race, every challenge, every next goal, you start from scratch. Yeah. You take your learnings, your learnings and your, your mindset is where it is. But physically, you have to be honest enough and humble enough to say, day one, I did my, my testing. This is where I'm at. This is how my body's responding, even though I'm a couple of years older. And this is how I go. Yeah. 
So I think with that said, what's next for Ooh, what's next for question. Levi? I knew this was coming. Uh, it's the, the, it's the wrap up question, and I thought, like, how do you? You said you're going to go bigger every single time. <laughs> Just on 40 marathons in 40 days, so but I'm curious. Bigger for me could be run my fastest 5K. Yeah, it could, you be, know doing, what I mean? it could be doing your first triathlon, right? It's relative, but let's just say 2024 treadmill. Oh. I won't be running as for as long, but I will be running a lot quicker. Okay. And that's all I'll say. Do you have uh, an indication on when you're doing it? Um, first quarter, January, Feb, March. I just need to gauge. I need to get within that training stimulus first before I can properly nail nail a date because obviously the logistics of when, where, and how in terms of the Guinness World Record and stuff like that. So it will be a world record attempt on the treadmill 2024. Okay. Hopefully we can do it at the same time when we're doing the ultras. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the, yeah, let's get the... Let's get we'll the coordinate country, our dates. Let's get the country running, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I wish you the best of luck. I think we should do a round two because I feel like we have 100%. a lot more uh, to catch up on. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure like after people listen to this, they're going to have a lot of questions for you as well. Um, thank you for your time. I really appreciate thank your you coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing your story, part one with us. And uh, wish you all the best of luck for whatever's next. Thank you very much. And, you, and yourself, you've got some big challenges coming up, huh? Yeah, I guess it's similar to you, right? Like for me, it's also about, we did the 100K and literally the day after, it's so sick, right? Like you're, you can't move, mm. you're on a train mm. and you're like, what are we doing next? We cross that line and go, never again, that was hell. I'm never going to do that. And then you sit down and then you start looking at the next race, 100%. And we were like, what can we do like in our own backyard now, like mm. the UAE, that's, you know, not part of an existing race. Yeah. It's something that we have to create ourselves and we can get people involved. Yeah. That's when we were like, let's do seven Emirates, seven yeah. days, seven times. Six but that's it. You've got to allow yourself to enjoy the success. Yeah. And allow yourself to de-stress. Yeah. And I didn't run, I didn't run for like six weeks after that. Right? That's like, it. But you've got to look back and go, I achieved something quite substantial here. Be proud of yourself. And again, that's another thing. You need to take that time to kind of absorb it. 100%. Like, and I think that like a lot of people move, move on too fast mm. where they're already looking at the new thing while they're... I'm actually doing this right now. Like I, I found myself guilty of this. Like I'm training for something, mm. but I'm already thinking about like yeah. what's next after that. Yeah. Um, just because people are messaging me and telling me like, you should do this, you should do that. And I'm like, ooh, Shiny, yeah. shiny, but like focus as well. Mm. One, reflect on like what you've just achieved, but two, yeah. make the next goal your sole focus. Like don't constantly think about upping it, upping up. That's the thing of being in this region where the, the the climate allows you to do so much all the time and there's yeah. so many offerings where everywhere else in the world you have your winter, you have your seasons and you would train and go, right, I can only do this then. Yeah. Where you can go, right, let's do this next week. We know the weather's going to be the weather then. So you have the offering all the time. And it is, again, it's just finding that one, be patient enough to go, you can do that later, do this now, nail it, and then... And then do the other then thing. Then do it, 100%. Yeah. Great. Exciting times. Exciting times. Round two, everyone, to follow very soon. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, mate.